Um, like Mary said, my name is Shauna, and I work here. I'm one of the associate pastors here, and um, I love my job because I love this church. I feel like I say that all the time, but it's true. I love, I love our church. Um, how many of you out there are Saturday night, like, go out on, go out on the town type people? Anyone? Couple, maybe. <laughs> Let me tell you, I am not, I am not a go out at night kind of whoop it up type person. I am a middle-aged woman <laughs> who really feels like she's about 80. I honestly, I, my jam is like in bed at 8 p.m., uh, watching Murder, She Wrote, and drifting off to sleep. It is not, I'm telling you, I'm like really 80. I, and if you're 80, that's amazing. I'm, that's not an insult, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's, that's, who I, that's who I am in my, my, in my heart and my spirit. Uh, but last night, I, went, I got to go out to a concert uh, with one of my kids, and it was so much fun. Um, this kid, we have four children, and this, this one particular um, child of mine is, is more quiet and more reserved um, nothing like his mother. He's more quiet and more reserved, and he's quiet about his faith. Um, he's quiet about his love for Jesus, meaning he's not just super out loud about it. And so about a year and a half ago, we were, um, I noticed when we were driving in the car, he would always ask if he could connect his phone and listen to his music. And I'm always, yeah, sure, bud, whatever. Um, but about a year and a half ago, I noticed that I was hearing some worship music that he was playing, and it was really uh, touching and powerful. And um, so anyway, he was playing Lauren Daigle. And so my 14-year-old introduced me to Lauren Daigle, and I just love her worship. And um, she was in town. So we got to go and see her last night. And it was so beautiful to be in the presence of God, worshiping him for like over two hours straight and be doing it with my kid. You know, like I said, he's quiet, he's reserved, but his faith and his love for Jesus is so evident and so powerful. And I was so thankful to be able to be in that moment with him and with our beautiful Savior and just worshiping him and having a beautiful time. And so um, when we got home last night, it was like nearly 11.30. And remember, this is the woman, like, I, like 8 p.m., Murder, She Wrote, and, you know, drifting off to sleep. And if you guys have never watched Murder, She Wrote, you need to check it out. It's <laughs> telling you, Angela Lansbury is the jam. <laughs> Anyway, so I could, my mind was racing, and I was still excited, and I was still like in this just thankfulness of the evening, and I was thanking God for just that time with my son, and it was just really precious. And so because I needed to settle my mind down, I did um, what, you know, a lot of people do, is I just began to scroll through my phone, um, because I knew that once I turned on my show, my murder, she wrote, I would uh, drift off to sleep, but I needed my mind to be settled first. And so I started scrolling through my phone, just kind of seeing what I had missed throughout the day. Um, and it didn't take long for that feeling of peace and thankfulness and just that worship state that I was in. It didn't take long for that to start to wane away because I started to see different things. Like I, you know, I follow different activists who are big in social justice and I was, you know, catching up on what they're working on and just different, um, you know, news bites from the day. And I just began to just suck the joy and suck the peace out of my heart. And so I, I quickly 
uh, before too long, I should say, I just was like, you know what, this is not what I want to be seeing right before I go to bed. Um, I, don't, I, I, I was in a good, thankful place, and I don't want to get sucked out of that. And so I put my phone away, and I went about my regular bedtime routine. But I feel like so many of us, so many of us are impacted by um, just the negativity around us. And so Mary said, and, and she was right, we are going to be talking about gratitude today because I feel like it's so important because in our society today, it seems like we are just surrounded by people and situations that are just full of frustration and anger and negativity. And it's a lot of tearing people down and not building people up. And it's a lot of us versus them and, and, and our side versus their side. And, and we're right and they're wrong. And um, there's just a lot of a lack of compassion, a lack of understanding. And it just seems to be permeating all around us. So much so that people have begun to experience super high levels of stress as a result. Really high levels of stress. And it's becoming such a worldwide, worldwide issue that it's on the verge of being labeled an epidemic, stresses. There were some researchers who over a two-year period of time discovered that depression, stress-related, depression and anxiety had increased by 74% in a two-year period. That's a big deal. That's kind of scary. And then you add on top of that social media, and we have all of this access to stuff all the time, and it can really open up a whole new can of worms. Now, here's the deal with social media. This isn't just a young person thing. People of all ages are consumers of social media, and I'm not up here to bash social media because I'm on it, and some of you are too because I follow you, so I know. But there are good things that happen. It's a great way to keep up with people from around um, the wor world that you're in relationship with. They also have on some of the sites, this thing where they show you memories from like a few years ago. And on this week, this past week, um, one of these memories popped up and it was this memory of my cutie little daughter from about four or five years ago. I came home from work and she was dressed as Mario, like you do, you know, just having a great time. So there are, there are pleasant things. And that brought a smile to my face when I saw that come across my news feed. But if we're not careful, we can get sucked in to the social media consumption. And people have found that there is a link between stress and high usage of social media. Avid social media users experience adverse consequences. Not everyone, not all the time, but there, there is research to show that people who are constantly in that world are comparing themselves to others and feeling this pressure to measure up, right? Because everyone looks perfect, their families are perfect, their life is perfect, and they're traveling the world, and it's just wonderful. And so we see that, and we think, man, we're missing out. And we start to compare ourselves, and we're feeling inadequate, we can look at our friends' posts or our family members' posts, and if they're going through a struggle or something hard, we begin to empathize with them, and that's a really, really good thing to do. But what's also happening is, is we're able to see almost immediately tragedies that happen around the world, like in an instant. Like, we can be aware of something that's happening across the country or in another continent, like in an instant, because it's all right there at our fingertips. And studies have shown that our brains are not meant to take all of that in all of the time. 
And so as we're empathizing with things that we're seeing, it becomes, it becomes to be a bit overwhelming because we can see all this stuff instantly all the time. Like years ago, that wasn't the case. Years ago, if something happened, you know, across the world, it would take us a while to learn about it and hear about it. But right now, we hear about it almost instantaneously, and our brains aren't meant to take all of that in. All of this stress and frustration and anger and anxiety, it can deplete us emotionally. And it has had a serious negative impact on us, on our society and on our culture. It's like a poison that just keeps flowing and contaminating everyone it touches. And so I really believe that looking at what we can do to combat this is important for us as kingdom people. As Jesus followers, we need to recognize what's going on in our society around us, and we need to flip the script. And we need to have a kingdom response to what we see going on in our world around us. We know that in Romans chapter 12, we're told in verse 2 to not conform to this world, but to be transformed. Don't conform to the world, but be transformed. And I love the message version of that verse. It says, don't, be, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even realizing it. You just fit in. And I'm here to say that as kingdom people, as Jesus followers, we can't become so conditioned to the stress in our culture, the negativity in our culture, the, the, the frustration in our culture that we just slide right in and fit into it without even realizing it. No, we are meant to be and do different. We need to flip the script. As kingdom people, as Jesus followers, we have a mandate to move around in our space in the world differently. We don't just go along to get along. We have a mandate to move about differently. We have a kingdom call to gratitude. To gratitude. Not just, this isn't just saying, oh, hey, thanks, although that's good. No, we have a kingdom call to gratitude, to being thankful. It is a, it is a practical way in which we live out our faith. We can live out our faith every day. Most of us, most of us do fairly well with occasional expressions of gratitude, recognizing something lovely that happened and expressing our gratitude. Most of us do fairly well with that. But we're not living our life in a way that manifests gratitude all the time. And manifesting gratitude is, a central, is central to the life of a Christ follower. It is central. It's not a topping that we add on top of our Sunday. No, it is central to the life of a Christ follower. There is instruction about expressing gratitude and living a life of gratitude throughout Scripture. There is instruction about that. We're going to look at one of those portions of Scripture right now. It's from Psalm 107. It says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. We have much to be thankful for. We have a reason as 
people of God to live a life of gratitude. We need to understand. We need to understand that our lives have been redeemed. We need to understand that we have been redeemed from the hand of the foe, that we have been redeemed from the tricks of the enemy. We have been brought in. We have been gathered out of exile into belonging. We are no longer alone. We have belonging in Christ Jesus. We need to understand and acknowledge and recognize and call out that he has brought us each out of our desert wastelands. We each have come from a desert wasteland. For some, it was greed. For some, it was idolatry. For some, it was depression. For some, it was addiction. I don't, I don't have to name it, but we've all had a desert wasteland that God has brought us out of and redeemed our life and set us apart. If we understand that, if we recognize our lives as redeemed by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, our only response our primary response should only be gratitude, thankfulness, thanksgiving. So we have plenty of reasons to be thankful for his unfailing love. And our life should reflect that. Our life should be lived in direct response to the glorious things Christ has done for us. Man, he has set us free. He has brought healing. He has brought, brought restoration he has been everything that we've ever needed. He has been unfailing. And most importantly, he has been loving when we were unlovable. He came to us and he brought us out of that and he has set us on a rock and called us his own. So the goal is to have gratitude as a posture of life, just of ebbing and flowing of who we are as Christ's beloved, just living in gratitude, a culture of gratitude. But that's not always our reality. Instead of being filled with gratitude, so many times we are starving our souls from a lack of gratitude. And like I said, we can muster up genuine moments of gratefulness and thankfulness, but our heart and our body and our life isn't pulsing with gratitude in every moment. It seems unrealistic. It seems like it's not possible. And I get it. Full disclosure, like, if you, like the way I'm naturally wired, man, I, I feel like I'm always busy. I'm always looking to do the next thing. Um, I don't have very much patience. And so gratitude does not come naturally to me. In fact, I found this meme that I thought was so appropriate. Y'all pray for me. Um, so appropriate about my patience. This is me, this little purse, carrying around all the patience I have left for people today. Like, there ain't none. And so because I, I, I naturally lack patience and because I'm always rushing from, from the next thing and because I just always want to make sure I'm doing and busy and going, many times I don't take time to pause and notice what God is doing, how he's at work and what he's about. And so gratitude does not come naturally for me, um, but it is something that we are called to do. It's the goal, but so often we fall short. So what is the deal we have to ask ourselves? What is the disconnect? If our lives, if our hearts, if our bodies aren't just pulsing gratitude in every moment, what is the disconnect? And in reality, there are some very real things that are hindrances to us living in gratitude. Some very real and some very valid things. There are factors that we encounter every day that can pull us out of this space of living in gratitude and being thankful. 
Gratitude can be undone in surprising ways and in ways we may maybe not even recognize it. Gratitude many times comes at us in disguises of things, um, of how we feel, and these are very valid things. Things like um, feeling unfulfilled or like what I want to call like the not enough syndrome. I think many of us experience this where we wake up in the morning and we didn't, we didn't get enough sleep and we go through our day and we don't have enough time and we go through our job and there's not enough joy there and then we, you know, cash our paycheck and there's not enough money there and then, you know, we don't have enough time off. We don't have enough goodness in our life. Um, we feel like we're not skinny enough or we're not bulky enough or we're not, you know, smart enough or educated enough or attractive enough or successful enough. And the bottom line is, is we go through a life feeling like we're just not enough. And those feelings of inadequacy, those feelings of not enough is, is actually ingratitude in disguise. Why do I say that? Because when we're focusing on these things that, by the way, are not true, that are lies of the enemy, when we feel like we're not enough as people, when we feel like we're not enough as his children, that's a lie of the enemy. But when we focus on that, we're not focusing on who God says that we are. We're not focusing on the fact that he has redeemed us from so much and saved us for so much and loves us so much. No, we're focusing on what we're not enough of in our own eyes. And when we're focusing on the negativity, we're unable to be thankful and we're unable to express gratitude for who God says we are and what he's called us to be. When we believe those lies and we let them fester, it's impossible to express gratitude. Now, I'm not saying that your feelings aren't valid if you've ever felt that. And I'm not saying that there very well aren't real times in our lives when things just are not enough. There's not enough, you know, money in the bank. There never is. There's not enough time or there's not enough relaxation in our life or there's not enough love and care in our life. Whatever. I'm not saying those things aren't valid. But what I'm saying is when we focus on those things and get sucked into the negativity of that stuff, then we're taking our eyes off of Jesus and his light and his love in our life. Busyness is another hindrance to gratitude. Gratitude can be squeezed out because our lives are packed so full and we don't have time to stop and notice and see what God is up to. We're conditioned to do more, to be more, to get more. Many of us have to work two and three jobs just to make sure everything um, gets taken care of. Or we're running our kids back and forth. Or we're taking care of elderly parents. Or, or we're taking care of an ill spouse. Or we're helping a friend in need. And we're just so busy going and doing and going and doing. And we run ourselves ragged. And we don't take the time to notice that we are walking and breathing in the presence of Almighty God every single day. But we can't see it and we can't notice it because we're so busy, so busy. There's no time or space to notice. And then there are real things that we struggle with. There are real life struggles in our life that maybe make us um, feel like we don't have a reason to be grateful, that we don't have a life that we could live in gratitude because we're dealing with the real deal stuff of life. Um, I grew up down in Houston, Texas, and my dad was a pastor there before he retired, and he used to always say, this isn't heaven, this is Houston, and it is so true. It is so true, and as much as, um, you know, Minnesota can feel like heaven, especially on glorious days today when it's a little chilly out, uh, it's not heaven. This is, this is Minnesota. This is the Twin Cities. This is the planet Earth, and there are real things that we deal with, and it's easy for us to get overwhelmed by that stuff. It's easy 
easy to get overwhelmed with our problems and our struggles. It's easy to get overwhelmed with the critical things that are going on in our life, in relationships, at work, in our neighborhoods, in our communities. It is so easy to get overwhelmed by the messiness that we see all around us that many times it's all we can see because it's urgent and we need to deal with it and we need an answer like pronto, like yesterday. But it becomes like a thick fog and it's all that we can see. It's all encompassing and we can't see God through the fog. All we can see is our problem, our issue, our urgency, our critical situation. Many times when we're living in that fog, we just begin to feel hopeless. We begin to feel like there's a deep feeling in our hearts that, you know, somehow life has let us down and that humans in our life have let us down and maybe even God has let us down and we just feel like there's not going to be an answer, a timely answer, and we're waiting We're waiting for him to come through. And I want to say that we are still called to live a life of gratitude even in those moments. But what it requires is acknowledging that what we are experiencing, what we are going through either personally or helping someone else with, that's not the end of the story. That's not the last final word. That God still has a say and that God will still come through. He's not going to leave you in that muck and in that mire. He's not going to leave you in that place of confusion or, uh, or not understanding what it is that you're going through or not providing for you what you need. That is not the end of the story. And so living in gratitude doesn't mean that we ignore our reality. It doesn't mean that we stick our head in the sand and pretend like everything is great and put a smile on our face and, and fake it. No, that's not what it means. But living in gratitude in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the difficult times, means acknowledging that God is with you right there in the midst of it. That God is right there beside you, all around you, helping you through it. And like I said, whatever it is, it does not have the final word. We can know, we can know, and we can be thankful that God sees us that God is aware of where we are and what we're experiencing. He's aware of our heart and how it's breaking for those that we care about that are going through tough times. He is absolutely aware of that, and we are not left alone to deal with those things. And it's not as if we're supposed to say, oh, great, I'm going through this hardship. Thank you so much. Nope, man, because those things... They stink. They're really crappy. They're not fun. (laughs) They're really hard. And that's not what we're thankful for. What we are thankful for is that we're not in it alone. We're not in it by ourselves. We're not figuring it out ourselves. Many times maybe we felt like the psalmist in Psalm 13 that cries out, How long, Lord? How long? When is your answer going to come? How long will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. 
In the Hebrew tradition, this kind of a psalm is called a song of lament, and it is a gut level pouring out of, our heart, of the heart to God. And we know this, we've talked about this around here, that God is not afraid of our opinions, of our emotions, of our feelings, of our anger, and of our questions. So we absolutely have permission to have that gut-wrenching pouring out to God and asking him, when are you going to show up? When are you going to come through? But it's important to remember and to come back to faith by the end and um, proclaim a trust and a faith in God's unfailing love. Proclaim a trust and a faith in his unfailing love because his love is unfailing. It is perfect and it is readily available to us. So the ability to live in gratitude during these hard times requires acknowledging and knowing that God is right there with us that we are not hidden from him, and that there's never been a moment that he's forgotten us. And in those moments when we feel like we've just, we've come to the end of our rope, it's just too much, and we've got nothing left, it's important if at just we can take a moment and turn our eyes to the king of our heart, like we sang about earlier. If we can turn our eyes to him and let him be the anchor in our waves, let him be the mountain where we run, let him be the shadow where we hide, For he is good. He is good, and he's never going to let us down. It is so important in our daily lives to begin to recognize those places where we're not fully living in gratitude for all that God has done for us. It's important to do that. But this isn't just something that affects us as individuals. This is something that affects our communities. This affects our friendships. This affects our family relationships. This affects our, our, um, our workplaces, our neighbors, wherever it is, wherever we have circles of people that we interact with, this affects that as well. Because if we are living in gratitude within our circles of friendship and influence and, and connectedness, if we're living in gratitude, we're able to see what God is doing in the midst of that place. And we're able to see the gifts of others and what they bring into our lives. When we're living in ingratitude, we are blind. We are blind to what God is doing in the lives of those around us. We are blind to how God is using those people to bless us and, and, and to go through life with us. And we are suffocating the life out of our relationships and suffocating the life out of those that we interact with on a daily basis. Gratitude within our communities is so very important. Here's the thing. If we are not careful and if we don't, like I said, call these things out and recognize them for what they are and and just call out the negativity, we begin to live in a different kind of culture, right? We're supposed to be cultivating a culture of gratitude, but instead of doing that, we're stepping ever so slightly over into a culture of complaint, a culture of complaint that we all will have to deal with because gratitude and ingratitude are closely tied to what we notice. And so if you're living in a culture of complaint, you're going to be focusing on flaws and all the things that are wrong and all the people that are wrong and all the things that you need to do to get them right (laughs) Because, because you recognize it, you see it, and you know that ain't right and that needs to be fixed. That's what ingratitude does. Our attention becomes fixated on the negative, and we begin to grumble, and and the negativity dominates our conversations, and our communities suffer. When we fail to live in gratitude for the goodness that we find there, our communities suffer greatly. And the result of that, if left unchecked, the result of that, of hanging out in that culture of complaint for far too long, is that we begin to be people that reflect darkness 
instead of light. We begin to be people that reflect characters that are not of God instead of the character of God. And as kingdom people, we are supposed to reflect the character and the love and the compassion of Jesus Christ, the joy of Jesus because of who he is and because he has set us free. That's what we're supposed to reflect and be for one another. But when we're living in a culture of complaint, we are uh, reflecting the exact opposite. We're reflecting darkness. And then we're not living in our true identity as God's whole people. And that is not what God wants for us. That is not what he wants for us at all. And so we need to be deliberate and we need to recognize those spots in our life where we're slipping into ingratitude. We're slipping into negativity and complaint and comparison. We're slipping into um, feeling less than or not enough. And we need to get deliberate about calling those things out and saying, not today, Satan, and allowing God to change our situation and change our minds and change our hearts. But it's going to take getting deliberate. Um, God, so many times with me, has a lovely sense of humor. And, um, and usually it's at my expense. Um, but that's okay, because I know that he loves me. But getting ready for this and praying through this for the last few weeks, uh, it, it's just been stirring in my heart so much. And um, yesterday, on the, I was getting ready to come here for the 5 o'clock service. And as I get into my car, uh, I had a major wardrobe malfunction. And um, like my daddy would say, well, the fabric could only handle so much. And so <laughs> it just said, we are done. And so I had to, I was horrified, but I had to like rush and go back into the house. And as I'm walking back into my house, I was like, okay, gratitude. How can I express a gratitude for this moment? I don't feel very grateful about this moment. This is actually kind of annoying and super inconvenient, but okay, God, what are you showing me? Gratitude. And it came to me, and this isn't a big deal, but I had to be deliberate to see it out, man, I could have been up here on stage and had the malfunction happen, and <laughs> nobody needs to see that, so thank you, Jesus, <laughs> that did not occur. You have to be deliberate in the big things and in the small things, and I know that was small, and I know that many of you are dealing with much grander situations, but we have to be deliberate and look for places to express gratitude and see the good and see God at work. Um, there is a book called The Hiding Place that I'm sure many of you have either read or heard about by Corey Ten Boom. And this is a, an example of being deliberate about seeing the good and finding something to be grateful for. In this book, um, it's a recounting of how she and her sister and her father hid Jews during World War II in their home in Holland. And eventually they were caught by the Nazis and they were sent off to a concentration camp. And, her, and the two sisters, Corey and Betsy, were transferred to a new barracks. And in this barracks, there was an infestation of fleas, like all throughout the room. And these girls had been reading 1 Thessalonians, where Paul specifically was instructing to give thanks in all circumstances. And so Betsy was taking Paul's words literally, and she began to thank God for the fleas in their room. But Corey was like, I can't miss me with that. I cannot get on board with thanking God for fleas. But Betsy said to her, you know what? God in the Bible did not say to give thanks in pleasant circumstances. He says to give thanks in all circumstances. And so while they were in this room, they noticed that the guards left them alone. 
Like the guards never came in for inspections. And because the guards never came in for inspections, that means that they were able to keep their Bible. Their Bible was never confiscated. And so they were able to continue to have worship services with the other girls in the room with them. And they were able to have these glorious moments of praise for the Lord. And um, later on, it was revealed by one of the guards that the reason why the guards never went into that room, because they went into all the other barracks to do inspections, the reason why the guards avoided that room is because the guards knew that it was infested with fleas, and the guards wanted no part of that. And so, and no, it seems horrible. I mean, like, I don't want to make light of it. Like, being, being them at that time and being put into a concentration camp and then being put into a room infested with fleas, that is not a glorious place to be by any stretch of the means. And that place would be very hard to find some goodness and find something to be thankful for. But God was providing them with protection through something that was less than desirable. And they had to be intentionally grateful to see it had to be intentionally grateful to see it in the midst of the hardship, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the grave injustice, to say, thank you, God, for this. Don't know why it's happening, but thank you for it. And God showed up and was, uh, protected them in that moment. So we need to get deliberate. When ingratitude, however it's masked in your life, begins to rear its ugly head, we need to call it out and we need to invite Jesus in. If your ingratitude shows up as disappointment, or if it shows up as unfulfillment, or if it shows up in feeling inadequate, or if it shows up in being jealous of someone else, if your ingratitude shows up as overly busyness, we need to call that out for what it is. And we need to ask Jesus to shine his light of love on it. We need to give that over to him and let him redeem that in our lives. I'm not saying that you're not ever going to be busy again, or you're not ever going to have feelings of inadequacy again, or you're never going to look at someone else and wonder if their life is better than yours. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is when we experience those feelings, we need to invite Jesus into it, because that's not the fullness of what he has for us. That's not the fullness of the life that he has for us to live, and we need to just get rid of that. Gratitude is not something that comes easily to many of us. It's not. And so it's a practice. It's a, it's a discipline that we need to cultivate. And we need to recognize how God has led us in these moments. And we need to be able to look forward to our future with hope, with hope and with thanksgiving. And we need to be able to give those painful moments over to him so that we can let them go and move forward in gratitude. Again, it's not saying, oh, thank you, God, for this horrible thing necessarily, but it's thanking him that he's with us in the midst of it. And it's thanking him that it hasn't taken us out and it won't end us and that we can still go on to be victorious. George Herbert was a 17th century poet, and he put this so beautifully, and I want to read this to you. He said... Um, this was his prayer to God. That thou, thou that has given so much to me, give one thing more, a grateful heart, not thankful when it pleases me as if thy blessings had spare days, but such a heart whose pulse may be thy praise. Man, would we all have that heart. There are some very practical things that we can do to begin to cultivate gratitude in our lives more consistently. 
that we could begin to live in a culture of gratitude versus a culture of complaint. And one of those things, and I've seen uh, many people doing it, is just keeping a gratitude journal, just writing down daily or weekly just the things that you're noticing that God has done that you're thankful for and keeping that. And it helps you to go back and reflect on those moments, especially when you're experiencing tough, hard, stressful times. I've also seen where people have in their home a gratitude jar. And again, these are just practical things. Like everyone is wired in a different way. And so whatever speaks to you is something that you should do. But I have seen where people have a gratitude jar. And like every day, whoever's in the family, they just write something down on a small sheet of paper and they put it in the jar. And then at the end of the, of the year, they take out all the pieces of paper and just read through. And they're reminded of all the ways in which God showed up throughout the year, all the things that they are thankful for. That's kind of cool. There have pe- been people who do gratitude art or... It doesn't matter what you do, but there are things that we need to do to cultivate a culture of gratitude in our lives. Sometimes it's just stopping in the midst of your day, the busyness of your day, and just verbalizing what you're thankful for. And I really put this into practice this week, and I, I found myself smiling a little more and being a little more excited about things in my life. Um, just being thankful for the simple acts of being able to take my kids to school in the mornings and their giggles and, and just that time that we have to connect with one another and the fact that I get to tell them how much I love them before they get out and go about their school day. That's a small thing, but I verbalized my gratitude and my thankfulness for that throughout the week. And it was really interesting because whenever certain things would come up, like certain frustrations or certain agitating things, or like my patience was running low, I was able to reflect back on the giggles of my kids and just the the gratitude that I felt in those moments, the blessing that I felt, the presence of God that I felt in those simple things. You know, once a week, I get to have a day date with my husband. And, you know, after 20 years, like we still like to hang out together. That's something I'm so grateful for. I'm so thankful for. It's not huge and like life life-altering, but it's important to me, and I feel God's blessing in it, and so there's nothing wrong with just saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for that. Just cultivating a culture of gratitude in our life is so important, but it begins by paying attention. It begins by noticing the goodness and the beauty and the grace all around us. So you guys, this this is my challenge. We know that ingratitude and negativity and stress and just the, the, the complaining and all of that, that culture, that is not what God has for us. Man, those are, that's the enemy's territory. And let us not give him any freebies. Let us not give the enemy any territory. Let us not lob, you know, right down the middle where he hits a home run. Like, let's not do that. If we're guilty at all of buying into the culture of complaint, let us repent. And I'm speaking to myself here. Let us just stop that and repent and turn that around. Let us cut that destructive behavior out of our lives and not get sucked in. But instead, let's fix our eyes on Jesus. He is. He is and he was and he always will be. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He is the lover of our souls. He is unfailing in his love toward us. Man, if we can fix our eyes on Jesus, we will remember and recognize that he's faithful forever, and he is a merciful healer, and he is a mighty, mighty redeemer. Because guess what? We didn't redeem ourselves, right? We didn't heal ourselves. We didn't come out of our addictions ourselves. We didn't stop our wretched behavior ourselves. None of this happens ourselves. He is our redeemer. And if we keep our eyes focused on him, if we keep our eyes focused on him, 
then we don't give in the enemy any foothold. We don't give him any territory, and we're living in the love of God. He is our shield and our defender. So as we close out, I'm going to invite you to stand. And the prayer teams are going to come forward, but I just want you to take a moment. Just take a moment. Maybe close your eyes if you need to. But this is my challenge right now for us all this morning. Just to examine our hearts. Just take a moment. Take a moment and examine your heart and just ask the question, are there any spaces in my heart where gratitude has been hiding out? Just been kind of chilling, hanging out. Left unchecked, it's going to fester and spread, and that's not good. So ask God, are there any places where ingratitude has been hiding out? And if something comes to mind, give that to Jesus and ask him to take it and ask him to break down what needs to be breaking down, ask him to restore what needs to be restored, and thank him for redeeming whatever it is that you've given over to him. And if nothing comes to mind to you today, just spend some time over the next few days and weeks and just asking God, hey, examining my heart, is there anything here? Is there any ingratitude here? Are there any places in which I'm not seeing you, acknowledging you, and worshiping you, and not living in gratitude for who you are and what you've done? I believe that God will show us when we ask him. I believe that God is calling us to be a people who live in gratitude toward one another, toward ourselves, and toward him. So I encourage you and I challenge you to go and do it in the name of Jesus. Live the life that he has created for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day, guys.